This is Frank Preaching, a podcast for preachers and people and whoever might be interested in listening to a sermon. Hi. Yeah, the bonus episode had a warning. This one's a little bit dark. Um, actually, it'd be a really good Monday Thursday sermon had things not gone the way they did in my preparations. Um, but it's a good sermon. I really enjoyed it. It took some doing. It took a couple of shots to get it there. But yeah, you'll when you listen, you'll understand. As always, I hope that God's word comes through my word. I hope that scripture comes through my voice, and I hope that my words bless you somehow. And so remember, now and always, God bless. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. The disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you do not come into a time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. He got up from prayer. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The previous sermons in this series have been very focused on the disciples. They have been very focused on what the disciples were thinking, what the disciples were doing, what the disciples had going on. They were focused on this time of celebration that the disciples were having. They were having it with Jesus, but it was very focused on what the disciples were doing. This celebration, this meal, this discussion after dinner, this rising tension, this this argument that they had about greatness, this warning to Peter that he was going to deny Christ, this warning to all of them that everything was going to become more difficult. All of this was focused on the disciples. And I thought about, why is that? Because Scripture does the same thing. Scripture focuses a lot on what Jesus is saying, but more on how the disciples are receiving. And I thought about how calm Jesus was during this dinner. It was almost unreasonable how calm he was knowing what's going to happen because he knows what's coming. 
He may not be able to give you an exact timeline, but he knows what's coming. And he's so calm. He's oddly unemotional. All the emotion that's being experienced here is by the disciples. He's treating everything as inevitable and normal. Much like a parent trying to coach a child through a difficult coming event, Jesus isn't flying off the handle, despite the fact that he probably should be. He is so calm. His emotions are so in check during this meal. Everything is about preparing the disciples and dealing with their emotions. But this week we leave the meal. We go to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, and this is Jesus' breaking point. This is the point where he is no longer repressing his emotions. This is the point where he is no longer focused on the disciples. Instead, he turns his focus inward and focuses on what's going to happen to him. And in this moment, this Jesus who's been so calm and so reserved, all of a sudden his cards are on the table and he shows his humanity. He shows what is truly happening within him. He shows his emotion. He shows his desires. A tendency I have, and I think a lot of other people have, when they think about the gospel story, they don't try to look through Jesus' eyes and walk in Jesus' shoes. I know I'm particularly guilty of it, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're broken humans and they're broken humans. They have, we have weaknesses, they have weaknesses. We share so much in common. As disciples of Christ in 2016, we share a lot of, with those disciples that were at the end of Jesus' life. We share their weaknesses, we share their struggles, we share what is, what is difficult for them. And so we look through their eyes. But Jesus, Jesus is something different. Yes, he's fully human, but he's the perfection of humanity. He is divine. He is beyond us. And so it can be really difficult to step into his shoes and look through his eyes. He is the exemplar that we are supposed to live up to. But when it comes to being relatable, when it comes to being someone that we can understand what he's going through, when it comes to walking a mile in his shoes, we struggle with that. Me personally, I would think it'd be impossible to walk an inch in his shoes. So because of his perfection, we have made Jesus unapproachable. And we think that we cannot possibly understand. But maybe we need to think about what Jesus went through. We need to think about the emotions and desires that he had on that night. Because if Jesus experienced all of humanity, if he experienced our desires, if he experienced what it means to be in this body, and our biological responses, and the chemical responses that are created within us to help us survive and help us not die, if he is experiencing all of these things, 
He is experiencing them in this moment stronger than most. He knows what's coming. He is in this dark spot in his life. And like all humans, he is desiring to survive. He is desiring to live. He is desiring to not experience this pain. In this moment, when he is bowed down, praying to God, hoping that God is going to make this go a different way, he is praying, asking God to make this be different, to not cause him so much pain, to not make him die at this moment. He isn't ready for his life to end. When you're in the meal, the one bit that you kind of see a little bit of emotion from Jesus is when he's saying, I have desired for a long time to eat this meal with you. You can tell that he loves the fellowship that he has with his disciples. And this is a time where they have come together to relax and eat and celebrate. And he desires this. And you can tell that he desires it and probably wants it more. He likely wants more time. Maybe he even desires to grow old, desires to finish his life in a natural way. But on top of all of this, on top of this desire not to die, is this desire to not die painfully. He knows that it's going to be painful. I don't know if he knows that it's going to be a cross and he's going to be scourged. I don't know if he knows exactly what's going to happen, but he knows it's going to be painful. No one gets arrested and executed for what he's going to be arrested and executed for and gets out without pain. But with all of these desires, with these desires for comfort and survival, he has this conflicting desire to do God's will. This desire to fulfill God's mission to do what God's need, God needs to be done. Listen to this verse again. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. In this moment, Jesus is full of all of these human desires. But one of the things I think the Christian church has done a very poor job of is acknowledging that there are human desires that Jesus experienced that aren't sinful. He's not desiring sinful things. He's not desiring things that are bad. He's just His human body desires these things. But he also desires to do the will of the Father. And he desires this despite his desire to live. So in this moment, he has these two strong, conflicting desires. And he makes a choice. It is a mistake to view Jesus as unapproachable. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about him being the perfect human, the exemplar of how to be the perfect human, 
and we get so focused on that perfect part that we forget that he was human. The desires that we have, he has as well. And the desires that aren't sinful, but go against God's will, he had as well. And in this moment, and I think more of this moment than any other moment, we can see just how much of a sacrifice this was. There is a person who wants to survive and chooses not to. There's a person who wants to survive and chooses not to and sacrifices himself for people who despise him, people who hate him, people who deny him. He chooses to sacrifice himself for those who are unworthy. And this moment, he is kneeling and praying to God and makes the choice to pour himself out completely for all of humanity, all of humanity that has proven itself unworthy. So if Christ is our example, this is the direction for pouring oneself out. It's not a mindless, incidental thing. There is a choice to give oneself up, to pour oneself out completely for others. So we are called to make the decision, consciously choose, and knowingly sacrifice of ourselves for the good of humanity, for the good of others, for the good of those we deem unworthy, for the good of those that despise us and we despise. The call in this prayer in Gethsemane is to choose to give yourself to pour yourself out for those who are unworthy and take the path that God has given for you. Pour yourself out for all. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Yep, just a little bit darker than, well, usual, but I guess it's not a whole lot darker than the other sermons that have been so far. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Next week's Palm Sunday, it's not going to be quite as dark. And then the next week is Easter, and that's going to be a bright and happy sermon that's kind of the point of Lent, is to lead up to this glorious event. Uh, no bonus episodes this week. I'm not leading worship on Wednesday, so nothing bonus there. But next week there'll be a bonus episode. Obviously I'm preaching on Monday, Thursday. And then we'll be back to a pretty normal once-a-week schedule, probably for a while. So hopefully you got something out of this. Hopefully uh, God's Word comes through um, in everything that you do. Not just my voice, but everything that you listen to. Everything that you do. Enjoy the rest of your day. Please continue to 
live a faithful life, continue to enjoy being with one another and being in community. And yes, just God bless. <laughs>